Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Chill Podcast. I am joined by Sam. Sadly, Frank couldn't make it with us uh, this week. And we have a special guest in Christina Mahan. I hope I said your name correctly then after practicing it just before. But thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Sam, how are, before I do the, the formal introductions, how are you, Sam? I go around the houses. Yeah, doing fine. Uh, London, the UK is all opening up, so ready to... Uh, get out there uh arsenal on a good reign of form as well so always the optimist uh always looking at arsenal always happy to, for them to be up there so yeah i'm happy glad to hear it <laughs> your optimism because <laughs> we know we don't have the same character there but and christina thank you again for joining us you are the community engagement officer if i have that right the official title is community engagement manager for rugby player uh, rugby players ireland can't even get the words out myself um yeah yes that is me, that is me. <laughs> and more you're more likely to be known to our listeners as the host of the rugby offload podcast yeah i am the host of rugby pass offload um it's still it's still something i find funny to say but um i mean like love it it was just you know uh, we literally just recorded our 30th episode yesterday so um yeah we're flying thank thank god i'm touching wood as i'm saying that I guess that's an interesting place to start. So how did the podcast come about and how did you, because for anyone who's not listened to it, the dynamic is it's you with players. So you have regular players who join you, but you also have guests who come from rugby on a, on a regular basis. How did you sort of get the gig as the non-ex-player? Um, I think it's probably how I landed it's quite a long it was a lo- it was a long journey it didn't just happen overnight um, and I think sometimes people it's a common like misperception that you know it just it was really easy so um I suppose through working in Rugby Players Ireland um obviously I'm just involved in rugby a lot and you know because we look after all the professional players in Ireland um I'm just you know I'm familiar with that space and like I have never played rugby before well tell a lie I played tag rugby for a total of two minutes like it was a team activity and I was so bad they were like get off the pitch I had warned them I was like guys I'm not good and obviously we have like ex-professionals that play with us uh, or work with us and um yeah they were none too impressed with my lack of sporting ability for somebody who works for like a sports players association anyway um so a friend of mine does like he was doing all these live kind of gigs at pub gigs and stuff like that so I just kind of said to him a couple of years ago I was like oh can I you know, it's something I'm interested in. Um, you know, can I join you for a couple of them? So, um, Mr. Michael Jackson, not the Michael Jackson, but he is, you know, he's my, um, he, I would consider him my mentor. So he took me under his wing. So it just started with like a couple of random, um, you know, pre-match Q and A's in different pubs around Dublin. I mean, you could be, there was several of them at the start where it would be myself and the player and then maybe five people. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a definitely a test to just how much I wanted to do it. And then an opportunity just came up to host a live rugby pod gig with Big Jim and Lukey Fitz. So obviously took that with two hands, ran with that. Um, myself and Jim got on really well. And then um, I just kind of hounded the rugby pod like for years. I got the bug, really, really enjoyed it. Um, ended up hosting another live gig with Jim and Goody this time um, and kind of like I'd had meetings to see how I could get involved and you know was there potentially a space for me in you know the rugby pod and um, 
kind of had not given up on it, but kind of put it to one side when, you know, the pandemic had started because obviously like nobody knew what was going on and it was very hard to kind of see a clear path. And I woke up one morning to um, just a message just, just to kind of say you're in, like we have, we found something for you. So um, when I was offered the opportunity, I genuinely couldn't believe it. I was like, you're taking the piss. Like, is this, is this actually for real? Um, so it's, it's still been such a surreal experience. And like, sometimes I feel, yeah, it's just, it's, I, I still kind of pinch myself. So yeah, it was, it was a long journey for about two or three years, but I'm, I'm very happy with where I am now. It's a good listen. I mean, and I think, so a lot of our listeners won't be avid rugby supporters or, or viewers. I guess the, what kind of makes the rugby dynamic a little bit different is that you have these players who compete against each other on a fa- fairly regular basis. And the dynamic amongst them is always very friendly and amicable. Has there ever been an issue in terms of players disliking each other and some of that coming out through the podcast? Or has it just been that within the rugby community, everyone is relatively friendly? Yeah, I think rugby in general is a really, like they're really, the people who play it are super respectful towards each other. So, I mean, even if it is that you might have a guest that comes on who's a little bit prickly or whatever, like they kind of, if they've had experiences with the guys on the pitch, it's just, it's all put aside. Like once 80 minutes is, if the whistle is blown at 80 minutes, they shake hands, they go, well, what they could, they could, they go for beers together afterwards. So like we've never had an issue, like touch wood, um, but we're all adults as well. So, I mean... Like we wouldn't have someone on the podcast that would specifically rile someone up. Like, yes, we've had ex-teammates of the panelists come on and maybe tell one or two stories that they're, you know, the guys are too happy with. But I feed off that because it's it's good to see them kind of been wound up a few, like the odd time. Um, but thankfully, we've had no issues yet. So yeah, it's a bit of a relief. Does any of that get edited out? Like, have there been stories that have been that have been told that were sort of not publishable um there wouldn't be anything like that would have like you know it wouldn't break the internet um it could have just been a story from a night out whereas you know we could have a player who's married now was in his past life and it just could have been that he was too drunk or whatever like so it wouldn't there's never been anything super controversial um and I think a lot of like even with the panelists that we have a lot of their controversial stuff is already out there so it's not as if there's anything kind of new to be told and we're not really we're not after trying to get one up on our, our panelists. Like we have massive respect for everybody who comes on, especially me. Like from, I don't play with these guys, obviously I've, you know, so to have them on the show is it's, it's sometimes it's such a privilege. Um, so I'd never intentionally try and wind someone up. And I guess before we dig more into the podcast itself, I'm kind of interested to know for the, uh, rugby players, Ireland, hmm. sort of what's that role within Irish rugby and sort of what what are you, what efforts are you doing to sort of represent the players and and help them out? So Rugby Players Ireland is it's the collective voice for all professional and national rugby players in Ireland. So we're like an we're a world leading association in that. In addition to kind of representing our members on issues of importance in the game, uh, we also encourage them to kind of fulfil their potential away from that game um, and to maximise their opportunities. You know that come their way. We like to better them for retirement. Um, you know, we also recognize that our members are also key role models in Irish society. So we kind of help them become like valued members in their communities through, say, like corporate stuff, social engagements. We also, you know, run the Tackle Your Feelings campaign, which is a mental well-being cam- campaign, which is very close to my heart. And I work quite heavily on that. Um, so we help the players kind of leverage their profile 
to encourage people to kind of be positive, say, in relation to the Tacky Feelings campaign and like the management of their mental health and well-being. So it's very much like a lot of the stuff is role modeling. So with our ambassadors, say with the Tackle Your Feelings campaign, um, they very much role model the target audience that we're trying to go after. So it's just, it's kind of making it more socially acceptable to talk about your mental health and mental well-being. So it's kind of what we do in a snapshot. Yeah. And so you've obviously spoken about maybe the sporting prowess with rugby isn't there from that side of things, but did you kind of just fall into this job and then develop a love for the game or have you always had uh, a love of rugby and watched it kind of growing up or did you develop that because of the job that you kind of landed in? Um, I'd say, I, yeah, I, so I started to watch it when I was probably a teenager to actually in a way to spend more time with my dad. He was a big rugby fan. Um, and then the more I kind of got stuck into the games, the more I was like, oh, this, this sport is really cool. Like, it's just, and I would never really have been um, a sporty person. Um, I wouldn't have taken part in like, you know, I didn't, wasn't part of any sports teams growing up, but uh, it was just a sport I really enjoyed. Um, no offense. I know you were talking about Arsenal earlier. I just, football and I just don't click. Um, I just find rugby super entertaining. So um, yeah, it was after college I actually worked in a sports agency I interned in one and uh, before joining a company called Presence Viewer um, and one of their clients happened to be Rugby Players Ireland which was formerly known as IRUPA at the time um, and I was on hand to help with our um, annual event and connected with you know several members of staff kind of found out what they were about and what the organization stood for and I was just like this is just it's such a good fit for me um, and thankfully kind of kept an eye on things, kept in touch with a few staff members and finally something became available, the community engagement role and uh, put myself forward for it. And four years later, I'm still there. So, And it's interesting because you've been there for four years. And I mean, we've had previous guests on where we've spoken about sort of the mental health aspects inside of sports and how that's becoming, you know, more of a focus. And obviously within rugby too, you've had the CTE issue, um, which sort of has hit the headlines at different moments. Within those four years, have you seen the focus in terms of how players are concerned with their own sort of long-term health, both mentally and physically change? Um, I, in my role, I wouldn't necessarily be like super hands-on. Um, and so we have, you know, player, player development managers and we have sports psychologists. So they would kind of look after that and they would kind of, that would come from consultations that I wouldn't be privy to. Um, but I know from, you know, recruiting ambassadors for the Tackle Your Feelings campaign, it's something that guys are aware of, say, in terms of the mental health and well-being, and they know how important it is. And what I think a lot of our members didn't realize was, you know, through their coaching and just through their own lifestyle, they have a lot of the, the tools and techniques that are used in mental well-being. Um, so they are so schooled up on how to talk about resilience and different coping mechanisms um, and it's all through sports psychology. And that's what the Tackle Your Feelings campaign kind of is. It's based on principles of sports and um, psychology and positive psychology principles. So it was just like, it's a match made in heaven. And then, you know, we would have, you know, ambassadors, you know, doing Q&As and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, can I see just, you know, a cheat sheet or something beforehand? But they already have the answers. It's just giving them the confidence to know what they're, you know, what they're talking about is legit. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely from the start to now they're a lot more open to kind of being involved in the campaign and it's a lot more you know it's definitely included in the squads a lot more uh, you, you kind of mentioned about the the kind of physical health the emotional health of people and the mental health kind of during their careers and uh, you mentioned that 
a lot of the help that you provide with Rugby Players Island is actually after their careers have ended as well. How, how does that look in terms of not kind of rehabilitating them back into normal life, but I guess the spotlight, retirement, all those kind of things, they're not kind of in those routines they were. So how do you support rugby players kind of as they as they kind of bow out of the game really and kind of move into another stage of their life and career? Well, thankfully, Rugby Players Ireland has been around for so long that, you know, we have a really good relationship with all of the provinces. We have, like I mentioned there, we have player development managers in each of the provinces. So they very much are in tune with the squads. And a lot of them now have actually grown with, say, the guys from the start of their academy careers all the way up to the senior careers and now that they're transitioning out of the game. So it's kind of just, it's for them, it's, it's you know, it's that delicate conversation of, you know, being aware that some members are coming towards the end of their careers but it's you know it's not just a conversation that happens six months before they retire like what we do is we prepare them for off the pitch stuff so it's you know always okay yeah I get that you want to play rugby but what you know what are you going to do afterwards and I think nowadays players are a lot more open to having that conversation and they can see that the career isn't going to go on forever like you can't be 50 years of age and still be playing for Ireland so um, they're aware that they need to kind of have that backup, plan. not even a backup plan, but they need to have that other plan in place. Um, so it's not really a struggle anymore um, because it's, it's such a, it's a, it's a, we're on the journey with them from the start. So it doesn't feel like all of a sudden they're just been, you know, kicked out and, and they have to adapt to this, this new identity that they have. Um, I'm like, we're always there like five or 10 years later if they need help. So. Um, yeah, I think it's for them, it's being aware, you know, that it is going to come to an end and then they themselves just kind of prepare, um, without us too, because they are, we're all adults. So, um, there is, there's a lot of onus on them as well. Yeah. You mentioned, um, no one's going to play till they're 50, but Sexton seems to be doing his kind of best to get as close to that as possible. Um, I know he's like, what, 35 maybe, but seems to be saying that he can keep playing. Yeah, I mean, sure, we had uh, Jerome Kano on the podcast yesterday and he's 38 and he's up for a European player of the year. So, I mean, like they go and as long as their body keeps telling them to go. Um, but we wouldn't be really involved in like the, the on-pitch performance. It's, we're very much, that's an area we would stay away from. That's, you know, that's the IRFU's business. That's the province's business. Um, we're all for like the, the stuff off the pitch. Sam, I have to admit, you're talking about Johnny Sexton as if he's sort of, some old age pensioner at 35 when <laughs> I'm about to turn 34 is a little bit depressing to hear, but uh, I do understand we've got different career paths. We're at that depressing age of our life where we're kind of matching people retiring in the games we grew up in as well and the, the kind of heroes and stars we grew up with. So Sexton will definitely be one of those people where I'm starting to realize my age if he bows out. Now, I guess we've spoken about sort of your role there in from the podcast because obviously you're now getting to speak to rugby players and develop maybe a different type of relationship with them in terms of a, a real friendship um that you might not have had in in sort of more official capacity has there been anything about their lifestyles or the careers that sort of surprised you in terms of how they view things or things that go on in their in their careers that maybe you didn't think happened um from the podcast there's nothing really that surprises me and it's purely because I've been around the professional setup for so long now and also you have to remember that like in Rugby Players Ireland as well there has been several past players involved at some point or another like our CEO used to play for Leinster so um we've I've always had quite a full 
picture of the life of a rugby player. Um, and sometimes I feel like that actually helps when I'm interviewing because I can almost understand where they're coming from. Um, like, I think it's amazing the way they can compartmentalize things. I think that's an awesome skill to have. Um, you know, they can have their hat on for training, they have their hat on for games, they have their media hat. And, you know, it's I always find it so impressive, um, no matter who we have on the podcast, like they're, they're media trained so well. So that's always really good. And they're great at being able to dodge questions or um, in a very cute way. Um, but yeah, there wouldn't be anything really that shocks me. Like, I think it's a, it's for people outside the rugby bubble. It amazes me that they don't realize how it's that it's a full time job. And I think that sometimes when in my job in community engagement um, in Rugby Players Ireland, when I'm speaking to, say, you know, people about trying to align a player with a charity as an ambassador, they can't understand, say, for example, why Johnny Sexton can't just come down to a photo call half an hour before he kicks off for Ireland. Or, you know, oh, why can't he just miss training during the week? It's like, well, that's his full time job. So um, that's that's the bit that sometimes takes me by surprise is how unaware other people are with the fact that this is a full time career. And it's, you know, and their schedules are tough. Um, I used to kind of take the mick out of them when I first started to be like, oh, you know, you have a really tough training day. But then I actually saw what a training day looked like. And I was like, OK, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, you're talking about their media training there. I guess part of the thing, and when we deal with athletes a lot, like it kind of builds in this idea of quite radical feedback and quite harsh assessments as an athlete because you're just used to it and you're used to a coach telling you that something's bad and that you've always got something to work on, which I think for most people in, in their jobs doesn't happen like into the same degree. Hopefully, if you've got a nice boss, it's maybe not quite as harsh as professional athletes are used to. Do you find that when you're working with them, the kind of level of feedback that they want in terms of their podcast performance is sort of, they want real honesty in a way that you might not be used to giving to a colleague? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they just want you to be honest because it's like, and I think I kind of would be like that as well. Like, I just want to be told straight up. I don't want you to sugarcoat it because I want to get better. And I think everybody that, you know, especially with the podcast, we're all striving to get better and to make it as the best podcast that we can so um yeah I you know what their feedback is with the boss and what my feedback is with the boss it's probably it's probably delivered on a similar tone um so yeah that yeah I think we're all kind of on the same on the same page with that have you felt like you've improved I mean Sam before we started recording this Sam and I were talking so we're this is sort of episode I don't know, 42 or 43 of our second season. And Sam wanted to go back and listen to our first ever episode, which I can't imagine doing because I, I just can't sit, like imagine putting myself through the, the pain of listening to it. Have you felt like you've significantly improved over the course of those 30 episodes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I still won't. Um, so obviously it's a podcast, but it's also a YouTube show. And I still haven't been able to bring myself to watch the YouTubes. It just, I'm like, no, it's a podcast. And even when I'm like selling it to people, I'm like, no, 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 here's the link. Um, definitely. But I think it was, it was new for me. So it was, it was really interesting because after I'm, I was so used to live gigs and you feed off the audience and you come away and you've got this, you've got this high that if I could bottle it and sell it, like I would have been, I'd be a billionaire. Um, and then with the podcast, it's really different because you kind of, it's a virtual world and then you shut it down and you're like, oh, I'm on my own. And, you know, I have nobody to bounce off and I have this high, but, and then the, the crash was, you know, it was huge. Um, but yeah, like 
you know, I am really lucky that Andy Rowe, um, who is the host of the Rugby Pod, he really kind of took me under his wing. And, um, you know, he said to me at the start, he was like, you on your first episode in comparison to you in your 20s is going to be so different. Uh, but that's just the natural course of things. Like you're going to settle into it. You're going to be more comfortable. Like you guys are two seasons in 40 odd episodes. Like obviously you're going to be so different than you were from the start. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't, I don't think I could, I would like listen back because that's not who I am now. I've kind of come along the way. So I'd only kind of want to learn or critique myself over the last couple of episodes. If that makes sense. And do you listen to each of your episodes when it comes out? Yeah, I do indeed. I actually took an improv course before I started on the podcast because I was literally like, I want to do everything I can to prepare. And um, obviously, I think the whole thing about improv is that you just have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, so I had an amazing, an amazing coach and he just said, I think it's like, I think you have to listen to yourself six times before you're comfortable listening to yourself. So um, the first few episodes were a struggle and like I couldn't listen to it in the car because I'd be so tense um that I'd almost crash it and now like I'll just I'll be like listening to it in the background while I'm doing my work and um it's just it's all I'm always interested to see how it's edited and you know what bits are kept in and um it's funny because it's like you know when there's like some sort of a joke and it was one of those you had to be there moments sometimes there's a bit of that um and then I'm trying to explain to my friends I'm like oh but this happened they're like that's not really the way it came across I'm like oh you had to be there but it's a kind of a cool thing to to like yeah you know me and my friends on the podcast so yeah it's quite tough I mean we've experienced that as well that you have you have these things that in the moment feel like it's sort of comedy gold almost and then you realize that it just doesn't translate it's just was three people. I mean, usually we've got one other person. So we're just sort of three friends talking and then it really just doesn't do it for the listeners. Whereas there are things that we don't think were particularly great. And then you get feedback that people really enjoyed it. So it is, that bit does always surprise me. And it's, it's kind of disappointing because you think you've done something quite funny and then it turns out it wasn't. Um, that's always kind of sad. Oh, I know there's nothing worse but yeah, there's been a few times, thankfully, I suppose like it's, you know, our editing team, do God's work and like there's been sometimes where I'll say stuff and I'll think it's funny and then the guys are like really but then they edit it out to save me so um I found it funny at the start the listeners loved when Dylan and I used to get into fights and like I'd kind of give it a bit back to him and um yeah they seemed to love that um so that I think I don't know whether it's just it's the narrative it's the you know it's the female giving it back to the this big very vocal um ex-player do you um so you take all this kind of like you listener feedback and you take it all on board and then kind of change things up. Do you think over the kind of eight or nine months you've changed much directionally because of that feedback or do you very much try to stay the course and think, you know, this is good. Let's stick with it. I'm very much guided by, you know, the guys behind the scenes um, for Rugby Pass. So whatever they want, you know, that's what we'll kind of get or we'll, we'll give them. So obviously they're much more in tune with, say, what the audience are looking for. But um, I think we've got quite a good balance. I don't tend to like um, the pub. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny one because public opinion is obviously great. But I think, you know, it's those who I keep my counsel with. They're the ones that matter. Um, and one of the one of the players I work with, he kind of, he came out and he said, you're never as good as they say you are, but you're never as bad as they say you are. So, and I think that's always really important to remember. And it's more so people who are in my phone book that will, you know, pick up the phone and give me a call or say, oh, I thought this was good. Or I thought this was, you know, you could work on that. That's what I kind of 
you know, appreciate more than anything else. And obviously the boss, whatever the boss wants as well. Yeah, no, it makes it's it's nice. I mean, I've always been flattered. We've had some some friends who actually listen, which in a strange way, I've always found as more of a compliment than a random person listening, which sounds odd. But the fact that you've still got people you know who haven't just got bored of it after a couple of episodes and felt like they sort of had to do it at the start, but have stuck through it. I think I take that as more. So yeah, I also think that that feedback that I can get from people that we we really know is more useful than this kind of stranger who we don't know anything else about them apart from the fact that they listened to your podcast and were motivated enough to go on social media and say something. But. Yeah, and like social media is so funny. Um, so I, yeah, I just think you take social media with a pinch of salt, don't you? Yeah, and I, I will say, and I, I kind of almost don't want to say this in some respects, in that the way that we got you on the podcast was by DMing you on social media, and I kind of don't want to say that in the sense of encouraging people that you actually read your DMs, which can sometimes be a bad thing. And that almost surprised me because I would have thought, like, social media DMs can be such a dark place that. It would have been one of those things that I would have almost left. If I were you, I probably would never have read. Uh, have you found that since you've sort of, I say famous, but you know, sort of got like the podcast fame going, has that really changed the kind of way people are interacting with you on, on your social media? Yeah, I think it's, do you know what? I think I've just become so aware of all the trolling over the last while that the players have suffered. And um I just think there's, there's, I just have no time for it. I have no time for negativity, especially when it comes to my social media. Like th- that's my vibe. And like, if you're not going to be on my level and you're not going to be, you know, positive vibes and stuff, then I don't want you near it. So like, if I get a comment under something that's just not good energy, I just delete it. Like, I'm not going to entertain it. Um, and I think that's amazing about Instagram. Um, and I know there's like different blocking features now and you can, um, you know, fair play to them. I think it's there's something about you can choose to block this person and then any further accounts used through that email address. Um, Twitter, I don't appreciate as much because you very much, you just put out your tweet and you can just get a whole host of abuse of loads of people and it's up there. And I think it's until you like, you have to report the comment and that's just, you know, I just think that there's not enough being done in the space to protect people. Um and I actually, I saw a clip of like, was it Ricky Gervais? And he was talking about social media and he was just saying, it just amazes him how he'll put something up on his personal social media. And then somebody else will take offense to that. And it's like, but if this has nothing to do with you, it's like, what did he say? It was, it was to quote it, it was something like, it's like walking into a shop and seeing that somebody was offering guitar lessons and that person be like, oh, but I don't like guitar. It's like, okay. Like, you don't have to rip the poster down and give out about it. So why would you choose to be negative online? I just don't get it. There is that weird reality that people go to find things that they dislike to make a point of their dislike. It's a, it's a very strange reality because also, like you say, people people make it personal as well. They attack the person. They don't attack the thing. They attack the person. And I I, I find it crazy and it's it's certainly strange and you have that kind of keyboard warrior mentality behind it as well where people can do what they want because they're kind of behind a computer screen they're not going to have the ramifications you know the police aren't going to knock on their door five minutes later and see what's going on thankfully now i haven't i don't think i've well i wouldn't i wouldn't know because you know ignorance is bliss but i haven't i don't think i've received anything really bad um touch what i'm quite lucky in that like you know in comparison to what other people get um, I know there was a few stupid messages at the start have been like, oh, I don't know why she's on, bit of eye candy, blah, blah, blah. But I think they've all kind of quietened down now because it's like, well, I know my worth. So, and I know why I'm on this show. 
um and sometimes that actually just is just a bit of jealousy um and you just have to be kind of like okay well if you want to get offended by me being on the show then fine or you know it was the same with um live shows um you'd have people been like oh well you know that's an easy job and it's like well, you take the mic and go up there and ask the questions yourself like you know it's a compliment to me that you think i make this look easy but it's not there's so much hard work that goes into it so um yeah that's kind of the way i sort of deal with things just to uh, just try and brush it off even though i seem to be very passionate about it but yeah no that makes sense and i do think even the same you know when we've obviously been developing this podcast over time you just think that sort of logging on somewhere and having a conversation with someone would be super easy it's what you do your whole day it does change once you know that you're being recorded and when you're trying to be interesting it is not as easy as just having the same conversation that you had a million times before you touched on an interesting point there and that some people might have judged you a little bit for being a woman and kind of dismissing you as eye candy and not thinking that you really added any value which i think brings in the larger question of maybe not enough representation of women in the media coverage of sports. Um, obviously, a little bit of an odd topic for us to bring up because we're a podcast that normally consists of three white men, which you know is a demographic that's seriously underrepresented when it comes to uh, sports discussions. But have you felt, aside from those comments, have you ever felt like there's a kind of glass ceiling or that uh, there's a kind of added judgment just because of that? Um. Do you know what I and I think when we were chatting, um, I mentioned that I, I feel like I'm so lucky that I'm in a position where other amazing women have paved the way and they've kind of set that standard. They have kind of smashed through the glass ceilings and I'm just hoping to follow in their footsteps and, and do their legacy justice. Um, you know, so I think at the moment, I think there's a great movement towards, you know, getting women involved because women are just as qualified to talk about sport and whatever else is men um you know like for me I think one of my huge role models is Laura Woods and anybody who knows me knows I just I'm obsessed with her I think what she's done for football and just her approach and you know she's uh she's a woman that men respect and that you know women respect and you know I I would just want to be her best friend and if she is happening to be listening to the show like she'd be like oh my god this woman is crazy um but yeah I just think you know it's kind of it's nice to for me to be able to see other women do it so then it felt like it was possible for me um and I think that comes down to even women's sports it's for like younger kids like my nieces now are aware that there's a women's 15s team there's a women's sevens team and it's like well there's no reason why you can't be a professional player either if you want to like it's you know it's the whole see it be it thing um so yeah I think I'm quite lucky and the players did you always feel I mean, clearly the ones who are on the podcast team, you know, you, you all have a great rapport, but did you, have you always felt that the players themselves were very accepting of this sort of, not even based on a gender thing, but just an outsider coming in to sort of step into their world and kind of judge it a little bit? Did you ever feel like there was a little bit of uh, a sort of pushback there? Never, never. Like we are, we're so lucky. We all get on really well for um, like, you know, I would know, I would have known um, Zeebs and, and Jamie and Dylan um, pre-podcast and then obviously Ryan came in and Ryan and I get on so well. Um, but they're all really respectful. So there's, there's never, there's never an issue. Um, and also, like, I'm hot. I was brought into this for a reason and it's, it's my job to get a handle on. And they're four huge characters um, and I was the right person for that job. 
so you know they were they were well aware of who we all were coming into it and it's just it's just great that we've all gelled the way we have uh, you're obviously talking about the dynamic that you have with the the regular participants uh, and this I, obviously it's a difficult question to answer because you don't want anyone to feel as if uh you preferred someone else but you've had a range of guests um many of them sort of really large figures from in the within the rugby world has there been a, a guest that you've enjoyed having the most kind of a best guest so far and then also is there anyone out there who you really really want to have on who you've not been able to land yet um it's a yeah it's that's it's a really good question um i think having jerome Kano on the podcast yesterday was just insane like you know um i'd yeah he's just you know i grew up watching him play and he's such he's a stalwart in the game he's a legend and he was so amazing and um so that was like even when he left myself and jamie were like wow like that was really cool and it was just it was it was an honor to have him on um, and then I look at other episodes and I think sometimes it's almost about what the guest kind of brings out in the other players so I loved having Finn Russell on because him and Zeebs have this massive romance um I think Ryan Wilson potentially was on that episode as well so they all knew each other and it was just such good crack like I think at one point I was laughing crying I couldn't see the script and that's always great as well, because it's nice to see the other players, you know, the other guys on the pod, like, you know, just get on really well. And that was a really funny episode. Um, and then I think one of my favorite episodes was it was episode six. Um, and it was myself, Ryan, Zeebs and Jamie. We were all on it. And Dylan wasn't able to make it. So Ryan then kind of became my co-host. And I was like, have you looked at the script? And he was like, nah we're throwing the script out and it was just we just that, that was the episode we all gelled um and we just laughed through it like my face hurt from smiling afterwards so like every episode for me I'm just like this is class and you had said that to me a year ago that I'd be interviewing these guys I just would have been like yeah whatever um so it is it's just it's it's an amazing experience every single week like Tuesdays because obviously I suppose locked in as well Tuesdays have become the highlight of my week because that's the day we record and like I look forward to that so much um and then I look forward to listening to the episode the next day and then I love seeing what clips go out and like I'm so bought into it um yeah so I'd say yeah that would probably be yeah Jerome Kano and then Finn Ben Foden was good too um no holes barred just said what he wanted to say um talked a mile a minute uh made Dylan really uncomfortable got Dylan to blush which obviously is, was very funny for us so yeah, I'd say that's it. But again, like all the guests have been amazing. So you mentioned um, throwing the script out and things like that. Do you do you have any kind of like pre-podcast rituals that you all go through? Do you have like half an hour where you kind of just talk? Do you do anything specific before you begin recording? Um, it's for me. It's I just I love. I'm a sucker for a routine. So I'm really fortunate that I can record my podcast in the Rugby Players Ireland office. So um. I and throughout lockdown obviously it was a level five thankfully media were exempt so I was able to travel over and obviously been in Kildare as well there's not much to be doing so um I would drive over I'd stop in um this beautiful uh, coffee shop called Aboka I'd always get my lunch there get myself a nice coffee go in just read over the script have my lunch give myself a couple of hours to just like obviously answer whatever or the work emails and stuff were going on and then literally like we jump, we may jump on two or three minutes beforehand and then 
we could the boys just start chatting shit to each other or you know just catching up on the weekend or whatever um or me trying to plug a g-wagon that i drove that got cut out and then um yeah we just jumped straight into it who who writes the script the script is the fascinating part to me i mean we've we have like outlines of topics that we want to touch on in any episode but uh but this going to the level of really feeling like there's a script is something definitely that we never have. Who puts that together? Um, one of our amazing producers called Freddie. So Freddie will kind of send me over the script and then I'll adapt it to how I want to like ask the questions and kind of just very much get it into how I would say things. And then obviously it's just, it's doing your research. It's like researching absolutely everything that you know is, is coming up. And um, so yeah, so it, there's a bit of work that goes into it. Um, but yeah, Freddie's brilliant. I guess I guess that's what we're missing then the producer need, <laughs> so that's the key Charlie. part that we need yeah, to get if you want to put, start putting scripts together go for it <laughs> yeah. you mentioned um uh, you mentioned kind of you would go to this coffee shop do work emails for rugby players island even before a podcast do you find that you have to kind of sacrifice time for one to do the other how, how does that balance work with you is it sometimes overloading or have you got it just right uh, well look at the moment I'm really fortunate that I was you know with uh, the last year with us been in lockdown a lot of the stuff that i would have been doing in rugby players ireland with community engagement it meant me traveling out to the provinces you know on a monthly basis getting squads involved and giving back to the the communities and whatever different activities so obviously that was all put to a you know a stop i couldn't do any of that so i did have a, a bit of extra free time um but it's also like you know the podcast hosting emceeing presenting that is like that is my spark that is my thing that gives me the most joy and and I'm really lucky that, you know, my boss, Simon, he's he's aware of this. So he gives me the space. And um, and as long as the work is done, then like, you know, I can do whatever. So usually on a Monday, I'll, you know, do my my hours in, in Rugby Players Ireland. And then in the evening, well, I'll go for a walk, decompress, and then I'll just get straight back into kind of working on the podcast then and doing all my research. So I make sure that it doesn't kind of, one doesn't take over the other. Um, and at the moment, I'm really lucky that, I can do that. Um, it'd be interesting when things go back to normal, but that's a problem for future Christina and not Christina at the moment. And I guess a couple of final questions, because you've been generous with your time before you go. One of them is like the, particularly over the guess the course of the pandemic, the the rugby podcast scene has sort of exploded. There's a lot of competition out there for you, whether that be like the James James Haskell's podcast, What a Flanker, or the House of Rugby, or the the French Rugby podcast. Uh, is there any competitive rivalry there? Because obviously a lot of those involve current or former players. So do you see from the sort of like the players involved in yours, are they trying to make sure you're you're kind of beating them in the rankings or anything on that side of things? Um, For me, not really. Like I just, there's no point stressing about what somebody else is doing. Like it's very much, we just focus on our stuff. And like that's, if you're, if you're constantly looking over your shoulder, like you're never really going to focus what's on in front of you. So I, do, I would never... I think it's amazing and I think it's amazing that there's so much interest in rugby and there's such an appetite for all these podcasts that people do tune into um, and we're really fortunate that we're one of them so I just think it's great I wouldn't I'd never really look at it as if it was competition. A quick one for me was obviously you've got the the Lions tour coming up you've had the regular season um, you said that it was kind of going on to the Lions podcast I, I was just curious what happens after that are you going on do you go on a break with the podcast during kind of the off season have you got plans you've got big things coming up for the podcast how, do, how does it look kind of Lions beyond? 
that is a question I need to have with my boss. I am very much like, you know what? It's so funny. I've kind of almost adapted the player mentality, which is like, you just go week on week. So I don't think too far ahead because I think, you know, looking ahead or looking back, it's kind of the peak of joy. You should focus on the now. Um, so I'm just rolling with the punches. And for someone who years ago, I was such a control freak and I thought I had to have everything mapped out. And then as soon as I kind of relinquished that, and I was like, you just need to go with the flow, you know, you're just you just feel a lot better and things well for me thankfully um just start to happen so I'm just kind of going to trust the process and just enjoy the now um so that's that's kind of my attitude and obviously if there's any sponsors of the lines listening in I will happily come across if they want to fly me across but you know <laughs> you know gotta put it out there hope so because if they're listening we you know we'll do the same <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, you also mentioned the G wagon. You mentioned the G wagon there, which has kind of made it onto some of the the videos and stuff that you spoke about. If have you received any free stuff as a result of your podcast? And G wagon aside, if there was some like swag or something you could be sent, what would top that list? Nothing is going to top the list of a G wagon. I like when I yeah when I test drove that car, I was like, I will sell my soul plus my firstborn because I'm not sure how much my soul will be worth to you know in trade for this car um so yeah that's that would be the top of my list and then I don't really know it's it's kind of weird like actually this this randomly this jumper that I have on here was was sent out to me and I, I was totally flattered um I just feel weird like it's still I don't know it's it's a it's a it's a it's a funny thing just to have somebody get in touch with you to say oh can we send you something out it's like why it's it's just it's very strange I'm not used to it. I'm not used to it, um, but I'm, I'll embrace yeah. it. Yeah. Now, if you had the choice being involved in the Lions tour or the G wagon, then which one are you choosing? Oh my gosh. That's like my, give me pick my favorite child. Um, could I not just drive a G wagon in South Africa? You could, but you can't take it home then. So you That's can okay. either have the Lions tour where you get the G, a rental G wagon for the tour, or you get the G wagon in Ireland. To be honest, I think listening to the boys speak about the lines, it's it just sounds like this incredible experience and it would be an absolute privilege to be involved with it. So I think, yeah, given the choice, I, it would definitely be the lines, especially South Africa as well. Like it's it's um, it's always been on my bucket list to go and visit. Um, and I just think, yeah, I like I'm so looking forward to it. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing experience, albeit adapted to the, the current circumstances. But um. I just think it's amazing that it gets to go ahead in South Africa. I would say, do you have a prediction on the Lions tour? So what is it? The seven, they've got seven games, but obviously the three matches against the Springbok. Have you got a prediction or have you, have you spoken about it with kind of Dylan and other people like that about how this tour is going to go? I think, I think anybody on this side is obviously very optimistic. Um, I think the team, um, well, the squad that's been selected is amazing. And I think, you know, with the amount of talent that we have at the moment, you probably could have fielded a second squad as well. So I'm as I'm quite an optimist. So I would like to think that the test will go the Lions way. But again, the box haven't played since the World Cup um, final. They are the World Cup winners. So, I mean, there's there's nothing like, you know, a Lions tour in your home nation to motivate you. So I think we're going to be in for an amazing and an, an amazing tour. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. But if I had to pick, I was I'm hopeful that the Lions will do it. That's a good answer. I guess we can we can try and have you back on in the future when we've figured out whether or not your prediction will come true, and then 
I don't know. I guess maybe if you if you bet enough on it, maybe you'll be able to get yourself a, a G-Wagon as a result. I'm manifesting this G-Wagon every day, guys. Don't worry about it. It's my screensaver. Like, it's it's going to happen. Um, it's I believe it. I'm, I believe it. Um, so why not? Like, if you, like I said, if you off, told me a year and a half ago that I would have a podcast, be the host of a podcast, I would have probably laughed in your face. So, you know, never say never. Good attitude. What? If not, when? When not, if, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if not when yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah well thank you very much it's been really interesting chatting with you and obviously i mean we'll continue listening to the podcast i'm sure that many of our listeners already do and you probably earned a few new listeners just through this but thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us it's been really interesting well, thanks for having me on guys it was it was really really nice um to chat to you it was lovely to come on so yeah if you ever want me to come on again I have nothing else to be doing in the evening, so I'm happy to come on. Absolutely. And then obviously, too, can get recommendations whenever you're next in Paris or next in London. Oh, in the post-lockdown world. Absolutely. Uh, travel opens up. Yeah. And things don't happen. I can take you to, what is it, Boom Boom. It's It'll be an experience. <laughs>